the Nikki Burns Show with Jenny Green. The Nikki Burns Show with Jenny Green. Yeah. 2FM. Jenny, you know when last week when the Euro Millions was won? Yes. And you know when, you know, some, everybody was saying, what would you do if you won 175 million quid? Well, I think we've, we're just forgetting the best answer to that question that you're ever never likely heard, to hear. Never heard it before. <laughs> Dr. Neve Shaw is with us and uh, I'm going to do the intro as proper before we get the answers to that Euro million thing. Will we ever live on Mars? What's the science behind making a non-meat burger? How much would you get if you found a little meteor in your back garden? Joining us now is Dr. Neve Shaw, engineer, scientist and explorer of all things space. She walked into the room this morning five minutes ago and said three amazing things happened in space this weekend and we're going to find out all of those in just a second. But she also told us what she would do is she won 175 million on the Euro million. Uh, Neve, very, very welcome back to thanks, the show, should I say. Thanks, beautiful day, isn't it? Isn't it? It's a beautiful day. It's a stunner. Tell us. You win You win the money. Yeah. 175 mil. What are you doing? I'm going to space. You're going to space. I'm going to go to space. 2023. Done. Done deal. Like. How much will that cost? Oh, it costs millions. Like, i got to go outside of Ireland to, to fundraise for that. But yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no you, you don't need the fundraise. You've won the... Oh, I'd win it. Like... You've won done. 175 million now. Done. What would you do? I go. Uh, I'd order my my. I'd order my spacecraft, and up I'd go. I'd order my. Where spacecraft. do you get? Well, you Amazon. Where do you get yeah, spacecraft? Just, you know the right people. You can. Okay. I have me. I have my network now. And much would it cost to get to space? To get to space, like you can, you can take a seat on the International Space Station now for fifty million. But if you wanted to create your own mission, it would be like in the hundreds of millions. Which have you got? Which would you do? Would you I'd, just? Go- I'd organize my own mission because I want there to be experiments. I want people. I want to design my own experiments. I want to bring the whole world with me. I want it to be like Twitter and social media and Would you, you know, need would you need a producer? I would. Yeah, Caroline, yeah. Caroline yeah, go with yeah. you. I'd need support. There we from go. Ireland. Fifty million on the international for a seat. That's so pricey. You could pricing. do that, Nikki. You could uh, do that. Listen, yeah, but I wouldn't two get two weeks. seats though. You'd be up there for ten days. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't get two seats. <laughs> uh, well that's amazing. that's the best answer I've ever heard to the Euro Millions. That's ever. what I do, yeah. Just so I just need some company to fall in love with me. And where where would where do you launch from and all that? Well, I look at Baikonur because at the moment that's the that's the only place where humans are able to launch from until the until we get an American until we get the Starliner system or the Orion spacecraft ready to go from America, which is supposed to happen this year, but probably not till the end of this year, early next year. It's it's really not feasible, you know. Okay. But well, watch the space, guys. Twenty years. It'll, it'll come Pardon down the and pun. Down and down. Watch yeah. this space. <laughs> hey, go on, like, Neve. I go say to you, Virgin Galactic's the lady that'll be training the astronauts in quotations, mm. uh, the people that are paying for their uh, the trip up um, onto suborbital, which is just above the clouds. She took her for her, uh, her maiden trip on the um, on their Virgin Galactic uh, spacecraft there uh, just at the end of last week. So she's the first kind of space tourist that's successful and are people actually paying 50 oh, yeah. million to go up no not that that's 250 grand oh a seat ah, sure and there's about 500 people that have if you win the 175 you could, you could oh yeah buy the whole team to go buy up on that team, yeah. you'd all go I'd bring you up for the day uh, we'd go, go on up for the little, little is it, jaunt there's loads of restaurants up there great, great oh, food no atmosphere thing. there's space invaders oh. <laughs> Right, let's let's get into it. Uh, your top story is about humans. Apparently, a thirty-minute walk may yeah. reduce blood pressure by as much as uh, as much as any medications. This is brilliant. This is really good. This is a study that was done from the um, in Australia, the University of Western Perth, and they took uh, men and women uh, aged between fifty-five and eighty who would be, you know, they are they are kind of in that risk 
of uh, cardiovascular disease and particularly if they wanted to show how being active can actually have a positive effect on that and so they had three groups one was where they got them to just sit there all day mm-hmm. another group where they got them to sit for an hour and then do 30 minutes of a walk on a treadmill and then sit down for the remaining six and a half hour day and then they got another group where they got them up after an hour did 30 minutes and then sat them down but every every half an hour they did three minutes of walking on the treadmill and they found that it had very positive effects very similar to taking their um, their their hypersensitive hypertensive uh, medicine and it worked better in women uh, than men overall, particularly in the third batch where they had them getting up and doing three minutes. Why would that be now, men versus women? I mean, they're not just, just all made up with the same. Being with the menopause and stuff, we're just a little bit more predisposed to cardiovascular problems. I don't know. Of course, we are. of course we are. I would have thought men are I more. would have thought men yeah. were as well. But there you go. That's what their yeah. findings were. But it just shows you, you know, that just a bit of a walk or just exercise, physical activity will naturally bring yeah. down your That's uh, good. Your so pressure. it's something we, we should all be doing. Well, we should be walk, like yeah. walk, you know, just walk outside. Well, does, as interesting and off the point, do any of the astronauts that do go up, do yeah. they ever get any problems with cardiovascular blood pressure? Anything it's that you know. So astronauts, like this, is the thing that's going to be really interesting because astronauts are like the best of the best of the best. So like they're perfect specimens of humans. So any any predisposition to any sort of like whether you have diabetes or heart problems, you're immediately eradicated. Right. It's very interesting when it comes into the general public. But uh, you know, people that were that will go up for a, a long period of time. If there's any if there's any heart disease history, no, you can't go up. If you've any uh, diabetes, you can't go up. Wow, you know, and I wonder what's going to happen with with general humans with that. But yeah, no, they have to be very careful of of heart problems and stuff. And it's only because when they're up there, how can they bring them down? You know, okay. so, so astronauts would have they'd have very pretty good basic medical training to you know they would be able to. Um, uh, you know, they'd be able to be guided for an operation if necessary. They're able minor to kind sort of, give, of things. Yeah, that they minor can look after. things, wow. give injections okay. and all that kind of stuff. Well, right. Well, we have uh, something completely different, but some really good news about bees. Um, we normally only hear, obviously, about colony collapses and other issues, but the world's biggest bee has been rediscovered after decades. I saw this actually on, on the Instagram. most wanted list. Yeah. And I've another lovely thing is that we have this very large kind of, I would say, like a, a what started out as a small shrub, but it's now a very big bush in our front garden. And when I went out to the car yesterday, it is covered in very large bumblebees. Which is great. I mean, it sort of seems like an early time of year for them as well. I don't know. Uh, But they definitely seem to be there. And there's a lot of them, which is good news. Yeah, but my dad's a beekeeper, right? So he's a bee master. And he was like, he was saying to me, Need the next time you go on the radio, make sure people know how bad it's (laughs) getting. My dad's accent. No, it's not. It's really not good. The species, lots of different insect species are dropping. And it's because of the different fertilizers and things. Well, there's a gang of them in Shankill. Tell them. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah. I'm delighted to hear that. But um, as so beekeepers are, there's a these are bees that create honey and stuff for us. They're, they're very, um, they're in a precarious uh, position. Why do you think they've chosen Shankill, Jen? I don't know, because we have a nice garden. <laughs> that's brilliant. You know, that's yeah. great. There's loads of different species of bees. Yeah. And it's nice to know that the bumblebee is doing well. But this bee, which is known as the uh, Mega Chile Pluto, which is also known as uh, Wallace's giant bee, they thought this one was extinct. A hundred years ago. This is a bee ago. that only exists on Indonesian uh, islands, and it's the size of your thumb. And it's the biggest bee, it's the biggest, largest bee ever. And it was initially discovered in the 1850s by um, this uh, entomologist, Alfred Wallace. And then they hadn't seen it for ages and then it was seen again in 1980 and then it was on the, you know, the 
the, the the list of like um, species that have you know that that they're gone the most the most wanted lost species on the list in 2017 and then is that but, him but if, there that's him there yeah but if they found one Neve I mean obviously he's not the the only one so exactly yeah does that mean if he found one how many is there if you know what I mean well thousands it's hard, it's hard to know they're not like it's not like they're beehives but they're not solitary bees either so these guys hang out in in trees and particularly trees that are resin producing so that's what they like and so they have this was a female bee so female bees are going out and foraging so um it's hard to know how many there are but the fact they found one means that there must be more than one yeah but they wouldn't want to go near them in case they probably mess them up but but it's good to know you know but then that's an isolated island there's probably less pollution and stuff going on there you know hate to be dropping the tone and all that Mm. but you know it's good to know that at least that one's still alive, but it's still we still have a big problem with a lot of our insects. What do they do with that one now? They release it again? Do they keep they, it? What no, she just saw it. They, oh. they were with a group of people. They just saw it, and they're like, "Woohoo, we saw it!" And they managed to get footage of it, and then they just didn't go near it. They saw okay. it go back into the That's tree. That's a good sign, anyway. Them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, we're on to. Um, I like this. Uh, you're going to tell us how to upgrade our thinking and avoid traps that might make us look stupid. Well, this is a book that has just come out um, called The Intelligence Trap. Okay. Basically, why people do stupid things and how to make wise decisions. Okay. And it's about it's the trap as in smart people have a tendency to overestimate the how intelligence can make them wise right across the board. Basically, that's the thing. And so there's lots of different studies that are highlighted by the author that that kind of suggests that that's probably not the wisest thing to be. And, And he says, like, um, intelligence is kind of like a car engine, but unless you have like a steering wheel and a speedometer and a GPS system, you could be going around in circles or you could be driving into a tree. And that's the way he kind of um, suggests that intelligence is. So um, y- while you might be intelligent, sometimes it can lead to a bias mm-hmm. that you see things a certain way and you don't see outside of that. So really good decision makers are people that constantly question their own bias. And so some key, um, you know, some key little uh, things that you can do to overcome this is, is like uh, when we get if we if we have um, a decision to make where there's some sort of personal investment in it, there's an emotional investment in it. You can tend to not make the wisest decision possible, you know, so uh, political views or your own personal views tend to get in the way. Mm -hmm. So what this author suggests is that if if you're in a situation where you have to make a decision, ask yourself what advice you'd give to somebody else and try to kind of relate it to yourself because you're better off seeing the bigger picture when you give advice to somebody else. It's known as Solomon's paradox, seemingly. Whereas when your own, if you look at it in your own way, you make the wrong decisions. And then um, the other thing is, is like really, is really kind of challenge your assumptions and your, um, your assumptions and the way the people, people around you think. Mm-hmm. And that will hopefully then undo then any other bias that you have. So basically mm-hmm. it's just that you're intelligent, but it's only intelligence based on IQ, but in, but you should think about the other ways. Like, um, do you have you do you have a tendency to uh, make assumptions around? Uh, you know, they call this thing called a, a gambler's fallacy, which is that if you think that well, if there's if it if it's green, if it's like on the say on the the blackjack table or what is it? What's the table? The roulette. Roulette. The roulette. So if it's black then it's going to be red eventually. That's yeah. known as the gambler's fallacy. That's not necessarily the case. And the other one is this idea that, you know, you sink loads of money into something that you've invested a lot in, whereas, and you've probably 
overspent your initial investment in the first place. Like going to space? You, like probably like going to space, yeah. Like you, you know the way like you have a house and it's or you have a car. Like for me, it's particularly you have this car and you, you know you may have initially spent four grand on it and you have it for ten years and you, you keep in giving putting more and more money into it to and keep it, it going. It ends up costing you more. more in the long run, yeah. but because you kind of feel that you bought it in the first place, you know it's it's those kind of ideas. So it's kind of a big questioning because they do always always say that the last thing I'm saying is that sometimes people who are extremely intelligent are maybe not so good at, at the normal sort of day to day little things that the rest of us who I would say have normal brains yeah. would you know I would say and I hope she doesn't mind I would say my sister is particularly intelligent but we watched a program one night and she thought that polar bears laid eggs and I went wow that's shocking that's shocking right yeah. there yeah yeah and, and she's gonna love you ah listen there was, it was a David Attenborough show there was polar bears and then the next screen it's it, it was a shot of two eggs and she went wow I never knew polar bears laid eggs. And my mum went, they don't, Nikki. And that's, that was the previous scene. And I thought, I feel great all of a sudden. I don't need an award on the wall. Yeah, well, that's it. That's it. That's it. That, I, I think it is. And I think what, what, I, what the, the overall, the overarching point I think that this author is trying to make is that while you might be specialist in one thing, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're wise about life and your decision making may not be the best. It, he uses an example of this uh, professor, uh, you know, he's 68 years of age, who met this uh, beautiful woman online and she wanted him to meet her in South America and he went down and she wasn't there. She was an actress and she says, oh, I had to move on to my next photo shoot, but will you carry my suitcase uh, for me to Paris? And of course, it was full of cocaine and he got arrested. Aww. And uh, yeah, so it's it's that notion that you can sometimes be blinded. Blinded by things. Well, yeah, blinded by, so in, some, in some communities, you are lauded and you are respected, but then take you out of that. Just make sure... <laughs> You're thinking outside the box. <laughs> so think of everything. Think of everything. everything. Go for a long walk and look after your exactly. bees if you see them. There you and go. we're going back to the mill. That's what we're Oh, we everyone's going back. Yeah. We're going back. We're going with Neve. Thank yeah. you. Neve, right, if Sean. you get the space, you better be calling us. I That's the indeed. whole thing. Live indeed. on the show. Uh, Dr. Neve Shaw, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> the Nikki Burns Show with Jenny Green.